When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And hello, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I'm your host, as always, Tony Defio, and I thank you for joining me on this lovely and pleasant and mild Friday evening in Pittsburgh. And as I always say, I hope it's pleasant and mild and nice and everything wherever you are in Steelers Nation, whether it's this Friday night listening live or in the future listening on some audio platform of your choosing. I hope you're having a pleasant summer. It's almost over, but you still have a ways to go. So the good news for the summer being almost over is it's it's almost fall, which means it's almost real football season. And, uh, you know, the Steelers are on the eve of their second preseason game as I'm doing this show. So we're going to have a lot to talk about tonight. But before I get into that... I wanted to please, as I always do, ask you to like and subscribe to our Behind the Soul Curtain YouTube channel. We bring you live shows each and every night and day. If you were tuning in or streaming in earlier, you saw the Touchdown Under show with Maddie Peverall and Mark Davison, the blokes from Down Under in Australia. And uh, that comes to you every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, of course, there's a show and then... We have the, uh, the Steelers uh, Q&A on every Sunday night. That's for a few more weeks anyway. Um, uh, Monday night, we have the Hangover with Brian, and we have Shannon White. And that's a, it's a great show. It's one of our more popular shows. Tuesday night, we have the Scobro Show with Dave and Rich, Dave Schofield and his brother Rich Schofield. Wednesday night, we have uh, Know Your Enemy during the regular season, which we're kind of in now since preseason has begun. And that's with Jeffrey Benedict and Shannon White. And there's usually a special guest uh, that discusses that week's Steelers opponent. It's a really great show. I love it. 
It's every Wednesday at nine o'clock. Thursday, we have the Steelers preview. That's with Jeff Hartman and uh, Dave Schofield and Brian Anthony Davis, our podcasting producer. Uh, let's see. We have a uh, Sunday. We have here we go. The Steelers show. It's, um, it's with Brian. I think you had Kevin Smith on uh, the other day. They were previewing the, the Seahawks game, but I, I think you can usually catch that on Sundays. Uh, we have the We Run North. That's with Kevin Tate, and he has a host of friends where they discuss all things in the AFC North. Gives you a great perspective of what else is going on in the tough Steelers division. And, of course, you can catch all those uh, live shows after the fact on any audio platform. As a, and you can also catch those live on Facebook. Um, and then we have a whole host of audio-only shows. That again, you can uh, catch on any audio platform of your choosing. Wherever you find podcasts, you can find our shows. It's a growing uh, podcasting uh, family. And of course, we have Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman. We have the Stat, Stat Geek, Dave Schofield. We have the Steelers Fix with Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar. Uh, we have From the Cutting Room Floor with Jeffrey Benedict. Uh, let's see what else we have. Um, what he's talking about with Kyle Christ and his friends. And I think, is that it for the live? We have, we have, we have um, Mike Tomlin during the season. We'll have Mike Tomlin's uh, post-game uh, press conference breakdown with uh, Jeff Hartman usually. And any kind of breaking news, we, we bring that to you in, in the audio uh, only kind of um, platform. So please check that out and of course check out behind the still curtain the website we bring you news commentary film breakdown anything Steelers related that that's going on in the world we're going to get it to you as fast as possible anybody with a hard opinion they're going to write it for you anybody with with stats they're going to they're going to write those for you and anybody who wants to break down the film and show it to you that those experts they're going to they're going to bring that to you too so please check that out it is your one-stop shop for all your Steelers needs and let's check out the live chat and see who we have. And we have Kathy Ford, one of our legendary guests. She was first one in Jared Devil, second, again, second, but he has a good record of being number one. But tonight he had, happened to be second. Ken Boyle joins us from Facebook. Claude Bishop, as always, joins us from YouTube. Let's see, scroll down if we have anybody else before I continue with tonight's uh, Steelers Freak. Always a, always a regular. Always bringing the opinions. Frazier Jerry says, what's up, Tony? I'm, I'm doing great, Frazier. Benjamin Bennett, Bennett from YouTube. Ernesto Ortega from Facebook. So we have a fine crew tonight. And they're probably pretty pumped up after last week's preseason game, a 32-25. The Kudos with us. Uh, 32-25 victory over the... They play the Seahawks at Acroshore Stadium. And as far as preseason games go, as far as first preseason games go, it was pretty exciting. It was actually pretty entertaining. Obviously, the big news going in was going to be the play of the three quarterbacks, the veteran Mitch Trubisky, the rookie first-round pick, Kenny Pickett, and, of course, the veteran backup, Mason Rudolph. And I think they all acquitted themselves quite well. You know, uh, Trubisky came in, played two series, uh, completed four or seven passes, a touchdown to, to Gunnar Oshevsky. And I thought he looked okay. I thought he looked more than okay. I thought he looked solid. And, he, you know, they quickly took him out. Mike Tomlin removed him for 
Mason Rudolph, who again I thought looked pretty good. Uh, he threw a pretty touchdown pass to to uh, George Pickens, the the new Mister Everything, the uh, the, the new uh, <laughs> uh, Camp Darling. Uh, it was it was a beautiful pass, a beautiful catch. Uh, he played re- the rest of the first half. Uh, I think they got another field goal. And then uh, Kenny Pickett came in in the second half. He looked he looked really really good. He played 13 to 15 passes, 95 yards, two touchdowns. He he threw the game winner to uh, um, Tyler Vaughn's uh, a young receiver with seconds left. And you know, I thought as far as you know, you're looking at the first game ever in the post Big Ben era, albeit a preseason game, but it's a game that you have to find a lot of answers to questions. And I thought the quarterback play was really, really hopeful. I thought it was really, really uh, encouraging. And, um, you know, as I said on the hangover on Monday, and as I've written about this week, uh, you know, they talk about a competition, but it really doesn't seem like a competition at this point. Um, It seems like Mitch Trubisky is, is, is the guy that they really want to start. And, uh, you know, as evidenced by the fact that he started on uh, uh, the game and, and, and really was out of there really quick, that's what you would do normally with a, a starter. Uh, you know, when, when Ben would play, Ben Roethlisberger, when he would play in the preseason over his last six, seven years, he played basically two or three series in that third preseason game. Um, and then they got him out of there. The only difference this year is, 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 um, Trubisky played in the first preseason game and he's going to play again in the second preseason game. Um, but I think that's for a reason because they, they, they want to see what they have in him. They want to see what they have in all these guys um, heading into the season. You can't just assume that Trubisky is going to be your starter based on training camp. Perhaps you have to see him in game action and you can't just, um, you know, I don't think he's a 40. He's, he's earned the right just yet to, to get the bend treatment. So yeah, he's probably going to play. I don't know if he's going to play the the third preseason game, but I'm certainly not shocked that he's played. He's going to play in the first two. But the fact that he started the first two, to me, that tells me that they want him to be the starter in week one. Uh, now Kenny Pickett's coming in second this time instead of Mason Rudolph, who came in after Trubisky last week. And as Mike Tomlin said in his press conference on Thursday, I believe when he announced the rotation for Saturday's game against the Jaguars, uh, he wants Pickett to, to see some uh, varsity level action, meaning maybe some first stringers, uh, some second stringers for sure, and maybe play with the ones in the twos. I, I don't know how that's going to be divvied up. It's hard to say uh, in preseason action. I certainly don't expect uh, much uh, participation as far as the starters, the, the, the important starters anyway, the, the, the valuable starters uh, on defense was it's, I expect it to be much like last week. Maybe you'll see a Alex Highsmith in there, maybe a, uh, uh, a Lou, you know, in his uh, return to Jacksonville, but I certainly don't expect Cam Hayward to be in there or, or, or TJ Watt uh, or, or uh, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick or even Larry Ogunjobi who, who, you know, he's, he's, looking good in practice from what I understand, but he's certainly not uh, fully recovered from that uh, foot injury he had. So uh, as far as the offensive side, you know, getting back to the quarterback play, 
Uh, last week, you know, Deontay Johnson didn't play. Chase Claypool didn't play. Najee Harris didn't play. Pat Fryermuth didn't play. Zach Gentry didn't play. And I don't know what Tomlin has planned for those guys tomorrow. Uh, is he going to? Is, is, is Trubisky going to have his full complement of, of of skill position players? I certainly don't anticipate Najee Harris playing. Um, but as far as the uh, other receivers, Claypool and Johnson. Uh, the other starters, I should say. Um, that's going to be interesting to see if they play. Uh, Calvin Austin the third, who suffered an injury prior to last week's game. From what I understand, he's still not. He didn't play last week. Uh, he was in a, in a boot on the sideline. And from I was listening to Ray Fittipaldo, who's a, a Steelers uh, beat writer for the Post Gazette, and he does not in- anticipate. Austin playing again on Saturday. So uh, I don't know what, what these quarterbacks are, are going to have in terms of uh, their their skill position players, but um, Pickett's definitely going to get a chance to, to play uh, with the starting O-line, I would imagine, and with people like Pickens, which is going to be huge, uh, maybe Fryer Muth. Uh, maybe Zach Gentry. So it's going to be, it's going to be exciting to see what he does. Cause you know, I mean, you know, he, he showed me a lot last week in his, in his uh, NFL debut. Uh, yes. He, th- he, he threw the ball. Um, he got rid of the ball in a hurry in a lot of uh, occasions. Uh, he didn't really go downfield all that much, but he showed enough poise, I think. I mean, cause you know, he wasn't in there with, his starting O line again. He was in there with not even the backups. He was in there with the third and fourth stringers by the time he got in there. So he was doing a lot of scrambling, uh, and I thought he he held up pretty well um, in that regard. Uh, but you know, if he's gonna if he's gonna get some time with uh, the ones and the twos, definitely the twos on Saturday. I, I want to see uh, how far he's progressed as far as. Um, being able to, to maybe uh, read through his progressions a little bit more this time, maybe uh, take some more uh, shots downfield, um, maybe sort of try to do what, what um, one of his, like I talked about last week, when maybe his biggest strength right now as a passer is throwing on the run, maybe do a little bit more of that uh, on Saturday. Uh, I think on uh, in his first game against Seattle, he kind of, held onto the ball a little bit too long and he got sacked a couple of times. Uh, so I want to see what he does there, but, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a good test for him because, you know, everybody's was glowing about his performance last week. Everybody was just really, really impressed, but you know, it, again, it was, uh, it was against uh, lower level competition. He was playing with lower level competition. That's all, also important. Uh, you know, as far as, giving him the benefit of the doubt, but you want to see what he does uh, against uh, uh, stiffer foes, uh, stiffer uh, competition, maybe, maybe against the defense, it's going to be uh, maybe scheming a little bit, you know, who knows how these teams are going to handle which games as far as dress rehearsals, are they going to go with the second game or the third game? I don't know, but um, I'm pretty excited to see what he does. Uh but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, obviously, draw any conclusions if he has a bad game. 
I mean, I, I expect at some point he's going to struggle as a rookie quarterback, uh, whether it's it's in the preseason or if he does play in a regular season in his rookie year, I expect him at some point he's going to struggle. It's a, it's a tough position to learn, uh, arguably the toughest position in all of team sports to master. So uh, I'm certainly not going to base anything off of, I'm not going to you know form a hard opinion on Kenny Pickett based on one half of play last week. And I certainly wouldn't uh, go in the other direction as far as a negative opinion if he has a bad game on Saturday. But I am interested to see what how far he's progressed since uh, the beginning of training camp. We heard reports that he was he was uh, kind of lost and maybe not uh, not uh, impressing those uh, in attendance. So that's Kenny Pickett. Um, as far as Mason Rudolph, he, according to Tomlin, he's going to play third. So I, I expect him to play third quarter, maybe into the fourth. Maybe Oladokun will finally get a chance to make an appearance. But I thought Rudolph, you know, again, I thought he played well last week. Uh, but I, I also am not that shocked that he's not getting, you know, a, a whole lot of praise from the fans and even the media is not really – it seemed like like the people who are in, in attendance at training camp or who were in attendance at training camp um, before they broke camp on, I think it was Thursday, they broke camp. The, the, the people who are there say that he looks great and he looks the most consistent, but you don't hear a whole, a whole lot of that um, on the talk shows. And uh, I guess maybe because people are, are of the opinion that Rudolph has no real chance to, to win the starting job. It's, it's, of course, I don't think anybody other than Trubisky has, has has a chance to win the starting job. I think it's it's um it's his job. The only thing that would would cause him to lose it at this point is if he struggles for a long period of time once the regular season starts. I don't think anything that Kenny Pickett does from now until the start of the season is going to 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 earn him the job because I think Mike Tomlin, you know, being the veteran coach that he is and all the rumors you heard uh, prior to the draft and prior to them signing Mitch Trubisky was that, that, that he, he wanted a veteran uh, for 2022. So I think he, he he's going to feel more comfortable starting with Trubisky, no matter what Kenny Pickett does. Uh, but he's clearly the, you know, Pickett's clearly the future of the franchise. And, and he's going to start at some point, whether it's at some point in 2022 or certainly by 2023, I think, I think if, if he's if he, if he keeps improving, there's no sense in, in keeping him on the bench past 2022. So, um, but as far as Mason Rudolph, um, you know, he was booed when he came in, and I wrote about it, and it got a large response, and it was debated about, and of course, people, other people have been debating it all week, and you know, the general, the people who who pushed against me, pushing against them for booing Rudolph. They were like, oh, we're allowed to boo him. We're, we paid, you know, people paid money to, to, to see that game. They, they can boo Mason Rudolph. It's, it's, it's their right. Yeah, no kidding. Nobody said it wasn't your right to boo. But doesn't mean that, <laughs> that I can't call you out on it. But my, my larger point wasn't that you booed Mason Rudolph. It's that you booed him when he came in the game. And to me, as I talked about on Monday on The Hangover, it represented so much of what I've, what I would see from fans in the past, prior to Ben Roethlisberger uh, becoming uh, coming here and becoming the savior. 
in 2004. It was the, uh, they, they totally rejected Rudolph a long time ago and, and there's no winning them back. And I've seen it so many times. And to me, it just doesn't, when you, when you, when you have that mentality, that mindset, um, then you're, you close, you're, you're close, you become too close minded about the possibility of, of this guy, maybe at the very least play improving as a quarterback. And I think he showed that last week that he, he's, he has improved as a quarterback. He looks more comfortable. He looks more decisive. Yeah. He made some, some questionable throws there, but there are also questions that, you know, Connor Hayward, who, it's a rookie tight end slash H back slash Mr. Everything that he didn't run the proper route, but you know, depending on how you feel about Mason Rudolph, um, you're going to have an opinion one, one way or another about that, about that. Um, but uh, I think, I think, uh, you know, once you, once you go into a, a game with the mindset that you don't, you're going to boo Mason Rudolph no matter what, then you close yourself off to the possibility of him um, improving. And I think he looked pretty good last week. Um, does that mean I think he's going to be the starter? No, I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he really has a shot at all of, of being the starter. I never really did. I think it'd be a neat story if he did win the starting job, but you know, it's, it's, he, he lost, any real chance of that happening when they signed Mr. Trubisky and then when they when they drafted Kenny Pickett, that the, the writing was on the wall for him. But it doesn't mean that he hasn't improved as a quarterback. And you know the rumors of him possibly being traded to, to the Lions or the Jaguars or who, who who the Jets or all these other teams. I mean, I, I guess it, you know if the rumors were out there, there, there might be some uh, truth to it, but. If it were me, I would keep him for 2022. You know, to me, having a, an experienced backup quarterback, even if he's your third stringer um, over the course of the year, is far more valuable than a fifth or sixth round pick for 2023. You know, um, I think we saw what happened in 2019 uh, after they, you know, one year after they cut Landry Jones. They traded Josh Dobbs and they decided that they were going to go to camp with, or they were going to go into the season with Ben Mason Rudolph as a backup. And then uh, uh, Devlin Hodges was the, was he the third stringer to open that year? Or was it Paxton Lynch? Either way, by the end of the year, they had to, they had to use Devlin Hodges, who was an undrafted free agent who didn't even play uh division one or whatever they call it. Uh, I mean, not that that, necessarily matters but you know that's how far down they had to reach to find a starter to get them through the season so to me if you have if you have a, a veteran like Trubisky and something happens to him uh, and you have Rudolph on the bench to go to for just say even for a game um, to get you through a game to me I think that's that's better than throwing Pickett out there on on a moment's notice as a rookie um, and maybe in a situation that, 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 that might be too much for him in, in that moment. Not, not that I think that would happen for him necessarily, because I, th- I, I am very impressed with his maturity and his poise. But, you know, I think it'd be um, beneficial for them to keep Rudolph around, just maybe to be a spot starter every now and then. Um, now, if something were to happen to Trubisky long term, 
um, I think you go with Pickett. Or, or if if if, if you want to uh, bench Trubisky long term for whatever reason, I think you go with Pickett, the young guy. I think that's what you do, um, because he's he's your future, and you know you just put him in there and, and let him learn and grow. But as far as like a spot a spot starter or somebody who can come in mid game and and who's done that in the past, I think Rudolph would be beneficial in that in that role. So to me, that's more valuable for 2022 than. Then um, cutting or trading Rudolph and having a, a total unknown, like two unknowns behind Trubisky. I mean, think about that. Because if you if you keep Trubisky as your starter and you have Pickett as your backup and you keep Oladokun as your third stringer, which I don't even know why they would do at this point because he barely played in, in training camp, let alone in a preseason game. He didn't play at all last week, so. To have a, a veteran and two inexperienced guys as you're as you're filling out your quarterback uh, depth chart, I don't know if that's a smart necessarily a smart idea. So but that's all I want to say about the quarterbacks. Um, as far as the rest of uh, last week's game or the rest of the participants, I should say. Uh, obviously, George Pickens. What, what more can you be? Can you say about him? A lot uh, more. But as far as what he did in the game, that that beautiful. 26 yard touchdown where he had just showed just tremendous concentration and, and agility as he, as he got both feet and bounce. Um, just, just, it was a, a thing of beauty. And, you know, he showed great body control on another pass from a Rudolph later in that game, you know, spinning to his left and you know, getting both feet in again, great body control. And even the, uh, if, if you look at the highlights, the, the Seahawks uh, players on the sideline were kind of laughing, like as if to say, who's this young guy? <laughs> you know, uh, this guy's going to be trouble. You know, that's kind of what I took from it. Uh, so he was fantastic. And I mentioned Connor Hayward, the sixth round pick out of Michigan State, the uh, uh, Cam's little brother. And I thought he showed great athleticism. You know, he's 5'11 or six foot, whatever. And what, 200 and 40, 50 pounds, whatever he is. And he's a tight end. That's what you're tr- playing him as. And looking at the guy, you wouldn't feel confident that he would be an athletic tight end. But, you know, he showed great athleticism at college and making uh, acrobatic catches. And he showed that again on uh, on Saturday. Uh, the two catches he had for 24 yards, both of them were were your prototypical tight end catches where he had to catch away from his body and, catching in stride and you know you expect like a fullback a lumbering fullback type of a of a player to kind of you know catch the ball you know in his body in his chest and uh cradle it and you know, that kind of thing but no he looked like a, a, a natural receiver so i mean I, I don't at this point you know he has a lot of momentum a, a lot of fan support um but he is a sixth round pick so we'll see you know if he's done enough if, if he continues to improve and continues to, to, to do enough to make the team. Um, Marvin Leal looked look pretty good in his debut. Uh, Mark Robinson, the seventh-round pick out of uh, Ole Miss. I mean, he, he didn't do a whole lot during the game. He wasn't really somebody that you would notice. But at the end, uh, <laughs> uh, with a minute and change left, he, he blitzed uh, Drew Locke, and he looked like uh, – Greg Lloyd, really. I mean, he looked like Greg Lloyd stripping lock of the ball and 
Pittsburgh recovered and they, you know, setting up the game winner. So I think it was a great and fun debut for Pittsburgh's rookie class. You know, um, overall, uh, you know, it's probably a mixed, mixed bag for the, for the line. Um, obviously Dan Moore got beat pretty bad on Mason Rudolph's first pass of the night, which he, he, the defender that Moore was blocking stripped uh, Rudolph, uh, Rudolph of the ball. He recovered it, but you know, um, that led to more booze for Rudolph, but obviously Dan Moore, everybody realized uh, right away that he was, he got beat on that play, but he also, you know, he didn't do that great on that play, but, he did a great job, and I, I think, and and uh, sealing off the edge uh, during McFarland's what was it, twenty-six yard run to begin the game, thirty-yard run, whatever that was. Uh, and overall, I thought the uh, the line did great in uh, run blocking, one hundred and eighty-five yards uh, overall is what the uh, Steelers had on against the Seahawks. But they looked kind of shaky uh, in pass protection, so you know. Um, there's obviously a lot of work to do there, but like I keep saying, it wasn't going to, these issues with the line weren't going to be fixed overnight. You know, they had to totally overhaul the unit last year uh, and they found uh, a couple of good players, at least one anyway, and, and more, uh, or I should say promising players anyway. And then they brought in uh, Mason Cole and, 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 uh, Jeff, uh, Jack, uh, James Daniels, uh, the right guard, the center and right guard, respectively. Um, so, you know, these guys are going to have to get used to playing with one another. You know, I don't know very much about O-line play, but I've heard enough experts talk about it to know that getting used to playing together is almost as important as winning individual battles. So, um, these guys are going to need time. That's just how it's going to be. There's going to be some growing pains with these guys, like you saw with Dan Moore. Um, even uh, uh, J- Daniels missed an assignment on a, on, a, on a blitz early in the game. So again, it's it, it's it's gonna it's gonna take more time for these guys to gel as a unit. So to me, that's what 2022 is is about for a lot of these young players. It's, it's a young team. It's a young roster, and you know, Pittsburgh has to find out about some of these guys. You know, there's always talk about bringing in a, a, a high profile veteran free agent or a high profile guy like Rokon Smith, who, you know, he's a line, on, on defense, uh, who maybe once traded, you know, there's always that kind of talk, but at some point you have to find out what you have with, with these younger players on your roster guys that you just drafted not long ago. You, you can't always um, try to solve every problem with a high profile fix. Sometimes you just have to uh, accept there's, there, there are going to be some uh, bumps and bruises along the way, so to speak. There, there are going to be some broken eggs on, on the way to making your omelet. And you just have to have to live with that. And, and, and you know, that's how, that's how young players get better through experience, through making mistakes and learning from them and, and growing from that. You know, I always cite Vince Williams as a great example, his rookie year, 2013, he had, he was sixth round pick out of Florida state and, you know, they, they lost Larry foot 
uh, that year in, in the, the first week. They lost him for the year with, a, I guess, with a torn ACL or something. And they had to throw Williams in there. He wasn't really ready, but he started 11 games. Uh, he had a lot of um, ups and downs that year. He, he was ultimately kind of replaced by the end of the year. But obviously, you know how his story ended or unfolded in Pittsburgh a, a, after that. He he um, became a, a leader on that defense eventually. So you know, sometimes you have to let these young players uh, grow, uh, go through some stuff and uh, learn how to get better on the fly. As far as the defense, um, geez, uh, it's hard to evaluate the defense because everybody, everybody that was important essentially didn't play in that game. You know, you're talking about the, the vital members of that defense. TJ Watt didn't play. Hayward didn't play. Ogan Joby didn't play. Alou didn't play. Uh, Highsmith didn't play. Fitzpatrick didn't play. Um, so that's, that's going to be a big part of your defense moving forward. So to me, you know, I realized that the run defense looked bad again. Uh, but to me, it, it's almost impossible to evaluate um, if, if they've improved at, in that department based on, on, on who was out. Now you might say, well, what about the, what about the, uh, the offense? Uh, you just, you just praised the offense for, for running the ball really well against, they were playing against the Seahawks um, second stringers and everything. Uh, why did they get praised? Well, because they struggled in that department mightily last year. So any kind of, any kind of a sign of progress is good. Um, even if it's against an, uh, another team's uh, backups, Pittsburgh, we kind of know what, you know, based on past experience that if, if Ogunjobi and Alulu are playing, they're pretty good against the run. And, Ogunjobi is Tuit's replacement, who just retired, and uh, Alulu is back after missing all last year. So you know you didn't have Alulu last year, you didn't have Tuit last year because he 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 was out all year. So now you have Alulu back, and Ogunjobi is uh, Tuit's replacement. So um, you know everything else being equal, with Watt, Highsmith, and and Hayward back in there. If, if you have Alu and Ogunjobi joining those three, you have to assume that they're going to be better at run defense because that was, I mean, Alu thrived at that um, the last two years before he got hurt. So uh, that's why I, I'm willing to give the defense a pass because wh- who you saw in there la- uh, last week, as far as uh, the defensive line, you know, these, these are guys who struggled last year stopping the run. So what makes anybody think, that collectively they're going to be able to, they're, they're going to improve. Maybe individually some of those guys improved. I don't know. I'm not an expert in that, in that department, but collectively as a group, it's hard to expect those guys to improve when uh, you know, they're you know, or, or show great results. I should say when you know that, that when the season starts, they're, they're going to be role players. They're, they're going to be uh, um, rotated in, but the main guys in that line weren't even in there on Saturday. So um, as far as the rest of the defense, I thought Trey Norwood looked really, really uh, good. I was impressed by him. Kazee, I was impressed by him. 
Uh, Arthur uh, Millette, I love that guy. I, I just think I, I liked him a lot last year. You know, I thought he played with, with a lot of energy last year and uh, an edge. And uh, I think he showed that again on, on, on Saturday playing from the slot. Um, Bush, ugh. Devin Bush going back to inside linebacker. Um, that wasn't a good night for him. And he followed it up by not kind of holding himself accountable uh, when, when asked about it uh, throughout the week. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of that guy. I, I, I kind of gave up a while ago on thinking he could be Shazier's true replacement because Shazier flashed right away. His very first preseason game, he showed you that he had the potential to be a, a special player. And ultimately he proved to be that guy. Whereas Devin Bush, even before he got hurt, he never showed that kind of promise. Now, um, can he be a, a pretty good player? I'm, I'm, st I'm still hopeful for that, that he can, he can uh, get over his issues with uh, contact based on hopefully just being afraid of injuring his knee again. And he can turn himself into a, a pretty good inside linebacker, which for a 10th overall pick is not what you want. But at this point, I'm, I'm willing to, to, to settle for that rather than this guy being an out-and-out -out bust which looks like he might be heading in that direction. So I'm, I'm uh, anxious to see what he does on Saturday against the, uh, against the uh, Jaguars. Let's see. One more thing I want to talk about. Um, I, I kind of skipped over it when talking about the offense, and that was the, uh, the running game. I thought overall I, I did talk about the running game, but um, as, as it pertained to the offensive line, as far as the, the, the running backs, um, Anthony McFarland looked great the uh, short time he was in there. Uh, Jalen Warren impressed everybody. He was the, another camp darling that people were excited about. Um, even Master Teague looked pretty pretty good. And of course, he unfortunately for him, he was injured and was waived last week. So he won't be, as far as we know, he won't be back. So overall, I mean, I think it was a good showing for – for the backup running backs. Um, does this mean that Benny Snell is going to lose his job? I don't know. I mean, you know, Brian talks about this all the time, and I, I, I um, echo his thoughts. because It's something I really don't didn't really think about, though he brought it up. Does it really matter who the backup running back is? You know, and, and, and that might seem silly to you, but really, when you, when you go through recent Steeler history can has there ever other than D'Angelo Williams has there ever been a real primary like is there really a true backup has there ever been a, a true backup running back or the guys designated as the backup and he he only comes in uh you know I remember the, those 90s Steelers teams there were a lot of uh, uh, running backs that, that helped uh you know you know that helped uh that, that contributed during the game it wasn't just one guy i mean you know they went three or four deep sometime during the game um uh, remember uh you know obviously when, when bettis was in his heyday willie parker was 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 getting reps uh deuce daly vron haynes you know so it wasn't just a, a, a there wasn't just one backup running back uh it didn't just go like two three and four behind the, the starter it was uh, a mix and they mixed and matched based on, on, um, on situations. So, you know, 
people are, are hoping that Benny Snell gets demoted or cut, but you know, really the important thing is that they find the, the best three or four uh, running backs. Um, you know, obviously in addition to Harris, uh, they, they find um, two or three guys who can fill out that roster and who can contribute whenever they're in the game. As far as who's who the primary backup is, that's not like other positions. I don't think it, it, it doesn't really matter all that much. All right. I, I have a $5 super chat. I got to get from thanks mean Joe and thank you for the $5. And, and he says, do you see any scenarios? Do you see any scenarios Steelers would pursue Rokon Smith as rumored, maybe trade involving Bush? I do not. And the reason why I say that is like I, I mentioned earlier. And by the way, thanks again for the uh, $5. The reason why I say no is because uh, they, they paid T.J. Watt $80 million. They just paid Minka what, $30-some million in guaranteed money. Um, Cam Hayward, uh, his average salary is like $17, $18 million a year. Bottom line is they have the, what, the most expensive defense in the NFL. Certainly one of the most expensive, highest paid, I should say. And... Uh, Rokon Smith's biggest issue right now is he wants to be the highest paid inside linebacker in the NFL. So just because he wants traded from the Bears doesn't mean, you know, his, you know, it's going to solve all the problems if he, if he gets traded to another team. He's still going to want that team to work out a new deal for him. And, you know, you have to think about salary cap uh, issues uh, at this point when, you, when you're talking about, uh, uh, throwing so much money at, at, on one side of the ball. I mean, uh, sooner or later, you just have to, you have to say, uh, you know, we got, we got to figure these issues out in house um, or with cheaper uh, um, alternatives. And uh, they seem to like uh, Robert Spillane. I, I realize he's not a superstar, but if Miles Jack is a really good athletic, dependable, linebacker in the mold of a Shazier or what they hope Devin Bush would be. Not that I'm not that I'm saying Miles Jack is anywhere near what Shazier was in his prime, but if he can be uh, three quarters of that, say, say, then maybe, you know, the guy who's playing alongside him, you know, he doesn't have to be a superstar. He can be just solid. And that's maybe where Spillane comes in. Um, although there's talk that, that they're going to be, playing a lot of dime defenses this year with, and, and, and Jack would be the only inside linebacker on the field. So, um, you know, do you want to bring in another high price inside linebacker? If, you know, also, I guess if you have two guys like that, you wouldn't need to play dime, but I just, I just, I just don't see them pursuing Smith because uh, of what I said earlier about, about the, the, the overall, price tag of the defense right now, uh, you know, you have so many high priced players on that side of the ball. Uh, and if you bring Smith in, he's going to want to be, he's going to want to join those guys. You know, he, I don't think he's going to stop being disgruntled because he comes here. His main issue is he wants paid and the bears aren't willing to, to, to pay him. So um, whoever does acquire him in a trade, is going to have to work out a deal with him. Um. You know, if again, if Bush can recover 
or, or improve to the point where he's just where he's pretty good. Well, I think that would that would solve a lot of their problems at inside linebacker. Um, but I think I think it, it's 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 um, I think critical or, or more important for them to try to uh, give Bush one more year um, to try to finally break through. Uh, I think that's that's that might be more beneficial to their future rather than bringing in a Rokon Smith. I think if they were, and I've said this in the past, and I said it about left tackle, and, and I'll say it about this position too. If they were truly one player away from being a, a bona fide contender, then maybe you may move for a, a Rokon Smith, or maybe you, you know, you're, you're you're a little bit too leery of of Dan Moore's inexperience and, and pedigree. So you go out and you get a veteran left tackle, something, or or your left guard, whatever. But the Steelers are in a position right now where they're not considered a a a, a serious contenders, and, and they're also one of the youngest teams in the NFL. So I think again, this is a year where you maybe find out about some people. You find out about once and for all about Devin Bush, and, and if he doesn't show any real improvement, you move on. Uh, maybe you can find out some things about Buddy Johnson, who was a fourth round pick last year. Um, maybe Robert Spillane benefits from playing alongside uh, a dynamic linebacker like Miles Jack. I don't think he's what he used to be, meaning Miles Jack, but he's still pretty darn good. And by all accounts, he looks, he's been really, really effective in training camp. And it wasn't in, in Saturday's uh, first preseason game. So maybe Spillane will benefit from playing alongside a guy like that. Cause he never really, has really had that kind of guy since he's been here because he had to come in and, and, and take over for Bush and, and his uh, fellow inside linebacker two years ago was Vince Williams, who was a, a, one of my favorite Steelers, but he was not Ryan Shazier. He was Robert Spillane, a type player, not, not Ryan Shazier type player. And last year, um, Joe Schobert struggled. Uh, and of course, Bush struggled. Uh, so he's never, you know, Spillane has never really had that solid dynamic uh caliber inside linebacker to play next to. So maybe he'll benefit greatly from that this year. So I think you have to find out uh, about those guys once and for all this year. And, uh, you know, down the road, if, if you, if you feel like you're a, like 2023, 24, if, if you feel like you're ready to, to, to take that leap and, and, and bring in a, a, a star player to round out your roster to be the final piece, then you do that, but not this year. I don't think they have to do that this year. So. What else we have here? George OTJ says of Bush, his attitude sucks. He should not be a stealer. Well, he's still pretty young. He's 23. Um, you know, maybe he'll look back on this time in his life and go, what was I thinking with those answers? Why was I so cocky and, and, and irritable? And hopefully he'll be looking back after a, a lengthy, uh, decorated career as an inside linebacker. Who knows? But uh, right now, I think it's uh, important that they find out about him once and for all. And they give him one more year to, to shape up or, or, ship him out next year, you know, meaning let him walk. And this is more from George. 
who says, I was hopeful George could develop from first year. He had an injury and I was patient and hopeful, but his attitude, he, he expounds on the attitude. His attitude totally sucks. And I think, you know, he definitely struggled last year. Um, obviously, I think he and Schobert and Spillane, all those inside linebackers were, were hurt by the fact that the there were problems on the defensive line. And as I said earlier in the show, I kind of gave up on thinking that uh, Bush was on the level of a Shazier and maybe a Shazier could have made a difference um, be playing behind a compromised defensive line, but clearly Bush could not in, in Schobert. So that's another, another thing that I'm hopeful about with these inside linebackers is that they'll benefit greatly from having what I think could be a fantastic defensive line. If all three of those veteran players are healthy and play all year. There's another one from and a different George, George Rice from YouTube, who says, my first Steeler jersey is a Bush jersey. Damn, how dumb am I? I'll trade it for an Artie Burns. If anyone is interested, or maybe a Jarvis Jones would be okay. Well, I mean, that's that's uh, you have the right to say that now because he hasn't given you any reason to say otherwise. But again, hopefully um, he has a breakthrough this year. And finally starts to play like the player they wanted him to be, or at least close to it when I drafted him three years ago. People may maybe forget this, but uh, Lawrence Timmons, um, his first three or four years were really, really inconsistent. Now he showed a lot more than Bush has shown at this point or up to this point, but his first few years, people were waiting for him to, to put it because he looked, I mean, the, the, the talent was, was uh, evident when you, when you saw the guy play and, and he did have flashes of brilliance from time to time, but it took him, I'd say three or four years to really put it together and start playing like the 15, 15th overall pick, which is what he was in 20 in 2007. And by when he, when he did put it all together, he was a machine. I mean, he was, excuse me. He was fantastic. So maybe there's that, that um, level of uh, play in Jordan, uh, Devin Bush just yet. Uh, I think 2022 will tell us all pretty much all we need to know about Devin Bush. If there's no improvement at all, then it's probably likely there never will be with that guy. And this one from thanks mean Joe. He says, thanks, Tony. I wasn't aware Smith was seeking that type of payday. Just thought he wanted out of Chicago. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's more than one reason why he wants out of Chicago. A lot of people seem to want out of Chicago, but one of the reasons is he, he wants a new contract. And I don't know, if, you know, it's like the, I forget the safety's name from the Jets last year. Um, people wanted them to, to bring him in and play alongside Fitzpatrick. But his main issue of wanting out of New York is he wanted to be the highest paid safety in the NFL at that at that point. Sam Robinson says, asks, how long are the Steelers going to hold on to Rudolph? Well, if you believe the rumors, they might not be holding on to him much longer because he was rumored to be um, a candidate to be traded to the, uh, to the, to the Lions. But um, if that doesn't happen, I fully expect them to hold on to Rudolph for one more year 
and then you know, he'll be a free agent next year. And why would he come back? You know, if he, if he still has aspirations to start in the NFL, clearly Kenny Pickett's the, the future and Rudolph would be foolish to come back here if he still thinks he can start in the NFL. So um, for no more than one more year, I, I would imagine. Um, but I don't know why, you know, fans are eager to see him go. I mean, again, give me, give me the player. I mean, the season's about to start. Give me the player over the future mid-level draft pick. I mean, I, you know, whatever. I'd rather have the player for this year because I think that benefits them more than, than uh, some fifth-round pick for 2023. What do I care about that now? I mean, I, I'm in season mode. I'm in regular season mode. I want, I want the best 53 players uh, to help the Steelers try to have the best season they can have in 2022. All right. And this is one from Steelers Freak, and he says, too bad Bush doesn't have Spillane's heart. Uh, well, I mean, we don't know if if, uh, if heart is necessarily the entire equation. I mean, for all of Spillane's heart, I mean, he's probably not even <laughs> at this point on the level of a Devin of a struggling Devin Bush. So, you know, the whole want to play hard, rah, rah stuff. That, that's, that's cool and fun and, and, and everything. But really at the end of the day, it comes down to talent and maybe Bush's main issue is he just doesn't have the talent that uh, they thought he did when they brought him into, when they drafted him, you know, sometimes even top 10 draft picks can be busts and it has nothing to do with heart or desire. It's just, they just don't have, what people thought they had to make it as, as a pro. But, you know, it is hard to question st people like Steelers Free for questioning Devin Bush's heart when <laughs> he makes statements like he did the other day saying, well, hey, if I don't, if I, if, if I don't stick around here, I'll still be in the NFL. So there's a, seems to be a sense of uh, entitlement there. You know, he, he does come from a uh, NFL family. So maybe he thinks that, you know, he's, he's entitled to a, a career in the NFL because his dad played in the NFL. I, I don't know, but uh, I don't know if, you know, it, it seems to be like that he's afraid of contact. That's what it seems to be, but maybe he just doesn't have what it takes to be an NFL linebacker. Uh, you know, it, those things have happened before. All right. <laughs> and this is uh he says, we will know when the Steelers are truly a contender from Steeler Freak when players like Von Miller in his carpet bag wants to join. Well, I mean, can you blame Von Miller for wanting to – you see what they paid him? The bills paid him? I mean, I'd, I'd call me a carpet bagger all day long. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, you can call me whatever you want for that kind of money, but that's what I mean. You know, the bills are, are, are primed and ready to, to win the AFC at the very least. And they went out and they, and they, they were aggressive in bringing in somebody like Von Miller and paying them the kind of money that they paid him. But I don't think Pittsburgh's quite there just yet. But if they are, if they do get to that point in a year or two, then that's when you go for, uh, you, you get aggressive when it comes to areas that, that you consider to be weaknesses. But I think right now, you know, they owe it to themselves to find out more about players like Dan Moore and uh, no pun intended, and you know Kendrick Green, Kevin Dotson, um, you know uh, 
those kind of players on their team. You know, they, they have youth uh, on their side, but with youth comes an experience. So you have to see if they can grow as they, as, they, as their uh, NFL careers uh, progress. This is one from Jeremiah Yoder from YouTube. And they ask, he asked, will the QB play in the next two games determine who wins the job and starts at the opener? Is it Trubisky one, Pickett two, and Rudolph three? I don't know. I don't really know the order after uh, number one, but I do think that Trubisky is the starter. I think the way they've handled it up to this point, if they thought that, uh, if, if, if it was a true competition, I think you would have seen, um, more of that in training camp as far as who uh, played with the ones. By all accounts, uh, Trubisky played the majority of the snaps with the ones in training camp. And the fact that he started last week and only st- stayed in two series, and the fact that he's going to start tomorrow, or meaning Saturday against the uh, Jaguars, and probably only play a quarter, if that, I think that tells me that they want him to be the starter. So I really don't think it's a competition. As far as uh, two and three. Um, may, maybe there's a possibility there that that, that they want. Uh, they think Pickett could be the backup, so they're they're going to give him that chance uh, over these next two games. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but at the end of the day, I would still keep Rudolph, whether he's your your backup or your third stringer. I would keep him on the roster for for the rest of twenty twenty two. He's cheap. He's going to be gone next year anyway. The most you're going to get for him is the fifth or a sixth round pick. You might as well just keep the player because you never know. He might have to bail you out at some point in, in, during the regular season. All right. Let's see. Uh, we have anything else here? No. Well, we just have some other stuff, but I've talked so long tonight that we're almost up against the hour. So I should probably call it a night. It was a very fun night, and uh, we had a lot of great stuff to talk about. I think we covered a lot of good ground. Hopefully, uh, it was it was insightful for you guys out there in Steelerland, and I hope you enjoy Saturday's game. Um, more questions will be answered. I'm sure more questions will come up, but that's the beauty and the fun of the preseason. Uh, please check back all weekend long. Check back uh, on our podcast channel and check back on the editorial side. We're going to have some great stuff for you. And uh, until I talk to you again, have a great weekend and go Steelers. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.